Welcome to Crazy Good Talks with Deirdre Van Nest. In this podcast, we help growth-oriented financial advisors, leaders, sales professionals, and experts stand out and own the room every time they speak. Deirdre will empower you to grab and keep the attention of any audience, live or virtual, make emotional connections with your listeners, and inspire them to take action. Join us on this journey where Deirdre will empower you to become a more confident presenter and knock it out of the park when you speak. As a business owner and leader, you can use two emotions to motivate and inspire people. But beware, there is one emotion you should definitely avoid. In this episode, Sam Palazzolo of Tip of the Spear Ventures and author of The Influential Leader shares his take on harnessing the power of emotions when communicating your value. So Sam, I'm so excited to have you today because you have got a super interesting background. You're you're like you're like a renaissance man. You're a speaker, an author, a venture capitalist and a leadership consultant. Uh, I know you've worked with small businesses and some of the biggest companies and brands around the world. And what I would really love to know if you can share with our listeners like how did you get interested in the topics of influence and persuasion? Just just give us a couple of minutes and and, and clue us in on that if you would. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Even at my current company, Tip of the Spear Ventures, we still go back to some of those original principles of influence and persuasion. Way back when I was at Toyota Lexus, we were trying to figure out how is it that we can sell more vehicles, more vehicles in volume mm-hmm. with higher gross profit and customer sure. satisfaction. So we found the foremost expert in social psychology study on influence and persuasion, Dr. Robert Cialdini out at Arizona State University. That led us to do a deep dive there. I led the initiative with how it was that we were going to do that impossible, sell more vehicles in volume, higher gross profit and customer satisfaction improvement. We primarily utilized it in the uh, from an influence persuasion perspective, uh, I ended up off-ramping uh, a few years later after I, we completed that work internally and after I worked retail for a few years in the automotive industry, started my own consultancy. Okay. I wrote a book in 2008 called The Influential Leader, mm-hmm. and that book is essentially a capstone on those six different items from an influence and persuasion technique that leaders can leverage to become better leaders. Nice, nice. So I'd love to talk about some of the things you've learned along the way to help my listeners. And, you know, I work with and and our listeners tend to be made up of, um, you know, people in the financial services industry. So financial advisors, uh, people in insurance, thought leaders. So speaker, author, mm-hmm. consultants like us, Sam, and and even, even executives and leaders from different types of companies. And, and one of the questions I get often from people, and one that I, I mean, I ask myself this, you probably ask yourself this, is how do I, like, how do I differentiate myself? Right? How do I talk about myself in a way that sounds different than my competitors? And I would love to dive into that. I know you call that something a little bit different than differentiation. So if you could tell us what you call it and then define it for us and would love to talk about how to do that. Yeah, we typically call it value creation because primarily people aren't looking to waste their time. If you think about it, time is the one element that We can't have an inventory stockpile of, once it's gone, we can't get it back or produce additional time. Uh, We can carve out some additional time later on in the calendar uh, if we feel like it's going to be valuable. Mm -hmm. But that value creation is just that. It's how is it that you can bring your best self 
to the table with each and every customer interaction that you have, whether the customer's internal of the organization, your stakeholders, peers, superiors, subordinates, or if they're external, meaning your end result customers or prospects. So when you talk about value creation, are you saying that putting together a narrative so that you're showing how you create value to your stakeholders, is that what you're saying? Yeah, if you think about that, the influence and persuasion principles, yeah. one of them is to become an authority, right? Okay. If you really want to influence and persuade, set yourself up to be an authority. And, and one of the key ways that we found that people can bring value is being just that, the authority on the topic or their subject matter expertise in which they do business. That doesn't necessarily mean that they need to show that they've harnessed the ability to work a computer effectively, Mm -hmm. you know, none of that type of stuff. What it does mean is how is it that you can translate perhaps the power of harnessing your keyboard to what it is that the person you're speaking with wants to hear about. In other words, you've got to know your audience when you're making those types of authority type postures, right? We call that, and we work... On the venture side of the firm at Tip of the Spear Ventures, we do a lot of work with entrepreneurs, right? We still, I led a tech startup. We achieved private equity exit. That's after that I started the firm. And we still work with a lot of entrepreneurs, most of whom are in the tech space. They're heavy engineering oriented. They love getting into the weeds, as we like to call it, quickly. And it's hard to get out of the weeds once you're in the weeds. That's what their comfort is from an engineering perspective. But that's that's not the right way, by the way, to establish your authority presence. Well, so let's talk about getting in the weeds because that's one of the things I work with my clients on when we're constructing presentations and messages is, mm-hmm. no, 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 we don't want to get in the weeds. Your audience does not want that. One of the things we actually have to do that human beings are wired to respond to is making an emotional connection, right? You know, as well as I do that people buy first on emotion and then they back up that sale with logic. Right. So one of the things when you and I were planning for this episode, as we talked about, let's kind of dive into how to harness or which, which emotions do you need to harness today, right? Like, so for the business owner today or the professional Mm -hmm. today, what are the specific emotions that you want to harness that are important to elevate that business owner or that leader, elevate their brand and differentiate themselves? Yeah. I'll give you two emotions that should be center focus, clearly within the crosshairs that people should look at achieving. This should be part of their audience analysis we okay. must include. I'll give you a third one that you should probably avoid. Oh, it I love that. Okay. Is the kiss of death. So, oh, avoid. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, so two yep. that we must include, and the third that you must av- that you should avoid. It's a kiss of death. Cool. All right. What are they? Number one. So the first one is interest. It, okay. We typically think of this as uh, curiosity. Yeah. But what is it that's going to keep the interest level high? Yes. How you can do that from an influence and persuasion perspective is by you show it by asking questions, right? Mm -hmm. You're an interviewer here. I'm your guest within this structure. Um, But it doesn't mean that you can't flip the table sometimes too, right? I guess in a presentation mode, it's probably a safe space. And hopefully you've participated in a meeting where the presenter pulled up, maybe called timeout, asked some questions. We do it a lot. And especially in establishing our authority, at Tip of the Spear Ventures, we conduct executive briefings 
our executive briefings aren't 15-minute Sam talks. You listen. It's yep. Sam presents, and then he pulls up or calls timeout and asks a question regarding what it is we just reviewed. Is that what yep. happens for you in your organization? We run from a geographic footprint we run global studies that we present in these executive briefings. Now, that's a pretty big map, right? North, South, mm-hmm. East, and West. Earlier today, I spoke with a gentleman who's in Spartanburg, South Carolina. It's like, what's it look like for you all there? Yes. <laughs> so we yes. want to know that specificity. But the showing interest, the best way of expressing that and to build yourself as an authority and to influence and persuade is by asking questions. I went through some training. You'll like this. Yes, because you're speaking my language. I have something very exciting to share with you, and I'm, I'm loving what you're saying right now. <laughs> yeah, I went, through, I went through some training about 15 years ago, and I was fortunate enough. I went through some of the best training in the world. Uh, I was fortunate enough to do some work with Stephen Covey and his organization, Ooh, nice. Stephen Covey Jr., his organization, uh, Marshall Goldsmith from an executive coaching perspective, wow. and Blanchard's group, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, Here's one of the statements that I that I still remember to this day, and that is that statements repel, mm-hmm. questions attract. Yeah. And anytime yeah. you can get yourself into the attract mode when you're working with someone or you're just meeting them for the first time, uh, that's a win for you. So. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to point to just a couple of, of lessons that I teach when clients work with me through our year-long coaching program on you know presenting and writing skills, or even just listening, just the, the listeners. Like I, I'm talking about this here in these episodes. One of the things I talk about is the power of questions. So the first yes. thing is, is that our brains are actually wired to pay attention to questions. Mm-hmm. And I challenge my clients, and I'll give you this challenge, Sam, but you probably don't need it because I'm preaching to the choir. I'm going to challenge my listeners. Try to ignore someone asking you just for a day. Try to ignore someone asking you questions, particularly a you-focused question when it says, how, you know, how is it in Spartanburg, right? How is it for you? What is your experience? It is nearly impossible. I, get, I have tried that experiment. You cannot ignore someone asking you a you-focused question. Right. So if you're trying to differentiate yourself, you're trying to stand out from the crowd, whether it's as a presenter in front of a live audience, whether it's virtual, whether it's in writing, whether it's one-on-one, whether it's in a book, ask questions, right? Use brain science to your, to your um, what's the word I'm looking for? To your advantage, right? Yep. Exactly. Um, the other thing that we teach is we teach a very specific formula and we actually, um, the last two episodes... Um, so we're on episode 19. So I want to say 17 and 18. Um, so if you haven't listened to it yet, listen to episode 17 and 18, where I reveal my four part formula for engaging your audience. So making sure the energy stays moving, whether you're talking for five minutes or five hours, one part of that formula, Sam is asking what I call thinking questions, right? Getting your listener or your reader thinking about themselves as it relates to your content. So it's exactly what you said. You're giving a presentation, you're telling a story, and then you you do what I call step out of your story or out of your presentation. And you say, so maybe that's happened to you. Think about the last time you sat in on a really boring presentation and thought, oh my gosh, I want to stick a fork in my eye. <laughs> right? That gets people more engaged. Any yeah. thoughts on anything I just said? 
No, I think you're exactly right. The the you question, we've all been in those presentations where it's generic data, it's cookie cutter. It's you don't feel like not only are you in the room, but the person speaking to you. And yeah. you may be the only person in there. Yeah. The great presentations are the one where everybody leaves thinking they were talking to me. Exactly. They were talking to me. Right. right? Yes. So that's yes, that's a great absolutely. point. Okay, good. So interest. What's the set? And did you say interest or interesting? I want to make sure. So I say interest, right? Interest. interest that's what curiosity. I thought. Okay. You can call it that, that type of an emotion. The Love second that. type of emotion that you've got to harness and look to harness is anger. <laughs> Go figure. 100% Italian guy with a fuse this long. He's trying to harness anger. Yeah, I know. I'm singing to the choir. <laughs> hey, I'm 50% Italian and 50% Irish. <laughs> yes. So I'm with you. <laughs> exactly. Um, Here's what I mean yeah, by say that. Say more. Yeah. Anytime you can get somebody's blood pressure elevated, get them more excited. I'm not saying it needs to come to a physical altercation, but anytime you can place challenges out there that are well-rooted and well within their capacity and control, most importantly, ah, to do yep. something about, you can harness the emotion of anger to your benefit. Interesting. Some, some people would argue that it might be a carrot or a stick and that yeah. and a leadership moment will get much more out of our associates if we do it with a carrot than a stick. Um, I'm not saying that anger is an emotion that you need to, or a muscle that you need in your leadership toolbox to flex all the time, yep. but it certainly is something that you should have in your repertoire and have an approach towards, and especially when things aren't working out the way that you think they should work out. I learned this one, the study and the research behind emotions backs it up, but I go back to my grandmother. My okay. grandmother had a series of poodles when I was growing up, <laughs> little toy poodles. They were all named Suzette. Suzette Are you serious? One, Suzette two, Suzette no. three. And then wait a second, I got to stop you. So when she was calling them, would she be like Suzette three? Yeah. Like would she actually put in the three or the two? I think or the she one? would drop the surname, so she okay. would just call them Suzette. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> but, funny. You no, know, I knew they were different ones, right? right? <laughs> but no matter. I, and one time, I remember I was kind of playing with Suzette two. I think I think I was pulling yeah. her ears or something, <laughs> and and Suzette two snapped at me, and my Ooh, grandmother looked Suzette at me and two. she said. Because I was kind of shocked. I was like, I, I've never had that happen. My grandmother looked at me and she said something that I'll always remember, which was even the smallest, cutest dog, you can push them only so far and mm -hmm. then they're going to try to bite back. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Ang anger is the moment. Suzette, too, was harnessing it in her influence ability with her emotions by snapping at me. As a leader, though, it can be a really effective tool, especially if you don't utilize it all the time. Often. Could you give an example? Is there anything that, because I can imagine my listeners going, all right, uh, I don't know if I want to be angry. Like, what does that look like? And does something kind of pop up at you that you, we can anchor this lesson on? Yeah. So if, if uh, most of the leaders that we work with and most of the leaders that you work with as well, I would imagine are highly critical of themselves. They, they want to achieve better than the next person. Yes. And that self voice that they have that talks to themselves, if somebody outside external of themselves said it to them, they'd probably want to punch them in the face. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those moments when it comes to, to anger. I'm working with a leader just yesterday 
And she says, you know, Sam, my style is one where I want to yell at people. Uh And you know what I find is that I'm yelling all the time. They don't Mm. know when I'm yelling and when I'm not yelling. Mm. Even when I'm not yelling, I'm perceived as yelling. Mm. Now, mm-hmm. She's outgoing. She's gregarious. She's from a different geographic region than where it is that she currently operates in. If she was back yep. home again, she'd fit right in. Nobody would yeah. think second thing about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah I, at, I, listen, coming from New York to Minneapolis, I get the struggle. It's taken a long time for me to learn the, you know what I mean? <laughs> How to soften the edges is what I say. Minneapolis had me, made me soften my edges. <laughs> I think the, struggle is real is an appropriate response to what Uh you're saying. Yep. The leader that I'm working with, she's really doing a valiant effort at attempting to harness really some empathy. And most importantly, we're working on the compassion moment. The -hmm. empathy moment comes through in, and we saw this a lot during the pandemic, right? We want to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. The compassion moment comes in from the not only am I wearing your shoes, but I can tell you they're just too tight. <laughs> They've got to be uncomfortable. Yeah, It's awfully hard to argue some with someone or at least to show them a better way if you can't show those two elements, empathy as well as compassion. But, yeah. but that's the second point. Uh, if we can get folks to harness the, um, uh, the emotion of anger, they'll put themselves in a total different class. So let me go back to the anger because I want to make sure I clearly get it. So let's yeah. say you were writing, going back to this thought of value creation and differentiating yourself. So let's mm-hmm. just say you're a business owner and you're writing marketing copy for your website. Yes. Right. And you have this thought in mind, okay, I need to not just be talking at these people on my website. I need to actually maybe ask a question or two to get them thinking right about mm-hmm. themselves and their own life as it relates to what I'm saying. What would be an example? Like how could you use anger? What I'm envisioning is you paint a scenario where, and I think about my clients that that are very forward thinking and mission centered. They pursue excellence. So I could pre- I could present a scenario showing them how they're really not living up to their potential, mm-hmm. and how with our help we can help them do that. Is that what you mean by anger? Like getting them going? Oh, I'm kind of like I'm, I'm annoyed with myself. Like I know that this is an issue. And Correct. I can do something about it. Is that is that what you're talking about? Correct. Yep. Okay. Potential is a ceiling or bump your head against ceiling for what the results could be. Actual significantly south therein, the gap in between. Yes. How does that make you feel? Right. Yeah. I would say that your leader is very similar to my leaders. My leaders are pissed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, exactly. They believe that, you know what? I missed it and I blew it and I kicked myself for it. Okay. So that's the type of thing that you want to be aware of as a, as a, let's say a business owner um, or even a professional leader and kind of weave some of that into your messaging. Correct. Okay. And the two don't necessarily between interest and anger, they're not mutually exclusive, right? They do have an overlap type of a feel to them. So don't think that you can't do a combination play between the two. What might that look like? Well, I, you just hit it. You just hit the, okay. it on the head. Ask what, them okay. questions, and then not only to identify criteria such as, okay, so the actuals are here. The potential is where it's up here. Okay, yep. So we've got potential here. We've got actual down here. That gap. How does that make you feel? Yeah. What do you think about that. Oh, I'm angry. Okay. Well, what about, what about it makes you angry? Let's figure out how it is. Let's work on what it is that you could have done so that way you would be less angry. That's a great example. Okay. 
Okay, that's great. Now, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here because I, I can hear some of my listeners saying, all right, Sam, Deirdre, this is interesting, but I don't want to be the kind of person who leads with fear. Like, I don't want to be the fear monger. Can you, yeah. can you talk about, because, and I don't think that's what you're saying. So can you talk about the nuance there? <laughs> so this is using the force in a negative or dark perspective, mm -hmm. right? Where you utilize the principles of influence and persuasion, not necessarily for the most common good. Okay. You might be utilizing it in a bad moment. We mm -hmm. see some of this take place within uh, I mentioned I, I worked within the automotive industry for a number of years. Uh, I can tell you that they they still do it to a certain degree. Um, and I'll give oh. you a great example today. Okay. Today, we've got inventory levels that are extremely low. Uh, this is for new vehicles. For yeah. used vehicles, it's a totally different ballgame because used vehicles can kind of be like antiques, uh, if you okay. think about it. Uh, I went into an antique shop. I used to live in Nashville, Tennessee. They had a special row of antique shops there down in Third Avenue. And one of the things that the, one of the antique stores had on the wall was a sign that said, what you see today, you should buy today because tomorrow it could be gone and in someone else's house. Okay. And I remember looking at it and thinking, well, that's kind of scummy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's yeah. not really nice. Um, if I don't buy it today, then it's going to end up in somebody else's house. But then I started thinking about it and I was like, this antique that we're looking at, there's no more. Right. <laughs> it's not like I'm at the uh, furniture store where they've got right. a whole warehouse full of them. And so I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? That's probably true. That's more accurate than inaccurate. It's for more good than bad. I imagine that they probably put that sign up as a result, maybe, ah. just maybe, mm -hmm. of a customer coming in going, hey, where is that item that I looked at the other week? Right. And the owner is saying, well, somebody bought it. Right. You, know? right. you lost you're, it. You're not the yeah. only person who bought it or walked in here looking at it. And um, if you would have liked it, you probably should have purchased it, or maybe we could come up with a, I don't know, a layaway program, something like that. Right. But they didn't have anything like that. So yeah, uh, no, but, that you know that totally makes sense. And and I think about, do you know the commercial? These are some of my favorite commercials. The not use. Have you ever seen those real estate commercials? No. Oh my gosh, they're hysterical. And so I think if you actually combine it with humor too, um, yes. maybe it's a little less caustic to people are in your face, but it's basically just at, at a very high level. It's a, it's a, a real estate firm who's talking about like you didn't take action. And so then you, let's say, let's say you and I are trying to buy a house together and we didn't take action fast enough. We are looking in the window of the house that someone else bought. Those are the not use. They call them the not use bought your house. Okay. And you get to see like your life play out. Yeah. And these people have a great life that you would have had had you taken action and bought the house. It's yep. it's great. But it's kind of like that, I imagine. Nobody wants to be on the outside looking in, right? Yeah. Okay. That's great. So then what's the what's the final one? The one that avoid it like the kiss of death. I cannot wait. I have like no idea what you're going to say. Yes. So this one comes to me. I sit on uh, a board of directors for a tech firm. It's led by a CEO who is wonderful. He's an awesome guy, graduated from the Naval Academy. He's just a stud. Um, he has three rules of life that he lives by, one of which is this third and final emotion that you should avoid like the plague. It is surprises, the emotion Ooh. of surprise. Interesting. Um, 
For him, it's a negative. Okay. Right? Go figure a gentleman who is very control oriented, right. extremely buttoned up, went to the Naval Academy, yes. had a successful naval career. He does not enjoy surprises. I think that there, yeah. uh, the boat that he commanded had three rules don't bend the metal, keep the water on the outside, and no surprises. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, if you're in the military, you do not want surprises. That is not a good thing. Correct. However, I would argue that maybe, just maybe, surprises might be a part of life. Plot twist, call it whatever you want to on whatever mm -hmm. television show you're living out in real life. So surprises, perhaps we can look at them and diminish the impact surprises as an emotion can have on you by contingency planning. If you think of them a lot like an objection that you would receive from a customer, then it becomes a little bit more of a less of a surprise moment and more of a, okay, great, a contingency plan for the surprise. When I experience it, I have a plan that I can bounce back from and get yourself right back into that authority position. Make so sense? I'm just thinking, yeah, I just want to make sure. So I'm thinking about it from like the, the provider's point of view. So again, let's say you're a business owner. Let's pretend you're a, let's say a financial advisor or a consultant, right? Mm -hmm. So what we're saying is we don't want to, in our marketing, in our, how we do business, as we're talking about value creation and differentiation, we don't want to often or on purpose evoke the emotion of surprise on uh, uh, within our customers, is that what is that what you're saying? Like we want maybe delight, like oh, Deirdre sent me this gift, I didn't expect it, but not surprise. Surprise usually means something went wrong. Correct. Yes. Okay. Surprise in a negative fashion. Correct. Got it. And so what it would behoove us, and I like what you're saying, is like think about the objections or the things that might come up as mm -hmm. you're serving your clients, and 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 proactively think about that in advance. And we can't think of everything, obviously, but proactively think about that in advance, knowing that having, you know, evoking that emotion and surprise is not going to work to your benefit. It's it's going to give you probably less influence, make you less persuasive, and try to mitigate those on the front end before they can happen. Correct. And you might not know those answers, right? As well yep. as you are at pre-planning, let's bring it all together. Let's circle back. We'll go back to that first emotion, the interest. Please. I mentioned that they're not mutually exclusive events. Yeah. There is some crossover and carryover. It might be a great question to ask about what might surprise you with this product, service, mm. et cetera. Right. Interesting. And that way you can evoke from them and almost do your little mini customer focus group yeah. right there on the spot and get their feedback. Again, that'll be less cookie cutter approach, less generic, 100% customized towards the individual or the room of individuals that you're speaking with. Okay, got it. So yeah, so so going full circle as, as we move into kind of wrapping things up. So so one of the emotions you want to harness and you want to evoke is interest, right? And one of yes. the ways you can do that is by asking questions and actually getting people interested in what you're saying and what you're topping, kind of how they fit into the narrative. Correct. The second question, yeah. questions attract, statements yep. repel. Love it. Love it. Okay, I like that. The second is anger. And and with anger, you're really, you're really just pointing out the gap. You're pointing out like, hey. Things are here or you're here and you know you 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 could or should be there or this situation could or should be there. And my service, my product, my leadership can help bridge that gap. And you're Correct. you're disturbing people a little bit. You're 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 stirring up and not in a way that's irresponsible. One of the things I loved when you and I had our our planning session was we both agreed when you learn how to be influential and persuasive, it must be for good. 
Like Sam and I are not giving you any of the keys to the kingdom if you're going to use these for evil, right? Correct. So, so Avoid it's the not, dark side of the force. Exactly. It's not for your own gain. You're actually disturbing them. You're wanting to evoke this emotion so that they want to make a change in their life, a change that you know is positive and for their highest good or for the highest good of humanity. Would that, would that be correct? Yep. Okay. And then the third one is avoid surprising your team, avoid surprising your clients, right? People do not like to be surprised. That is not usually something that people respond well to. And you could diminish your, your, your influence and your persuasion if you do that. Right. Surprise in a movie, plot twist. I didn't see that coming. That's exciting, right? That's, That's good, awesome. Good use of your money and a two-hour time investment in a movie. Uh, yes. Surprise and plot twist in real life. Didn't see that coming. Uh, that can make you very upset. Okay. Yes, totally. That's good. That's good. Okay. Um, before we talk about where listeners can find you, I do have one question. This is a little bit... Um, a little like outside sort of what we've been talking about, but it's something that that I've been thinking about is since you're in the uh, the pitch world, you're in the venture capitalist world mm-hmm. and people are are coming in there, they're doing investment pitches to you on a regular basis. You know, one of the comments I'll get sometimes, particularly for my clients who work in the financial sector is, oh, you know, people really care more about the facts and the figures and the numbers. And I've said, no, 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 that's not true. In fact, I've, I've spoken with other people in your position, Sam, where they will say, you know what, the story is important. You want to weave, you have to know your numbers and you've got to, but you want to demonstrate that through story because we we also have feelings and emotions and and we need to feel something in order to say hey yes we're going to invest in you or invest in your idea can you just speak to that for a minute yeah when so on our venture side of the firm we we still deploy capital uh, to entrepreneurs and their entrepreneurial journeys and you know we the numbers need to make sense, right? As a yeah. as an accountant, the numbers are the numbers and they need to make sense. Uh, that's part of our due diligence. But the entrepreneur and who they are probably is an exponentially important figure. And, and yeah. I'll tell you why, because you know these types of ventures are long-term relationships. Uh, mm. Nobody wants to be around people they don't want to be around. Yeah. Um, regardless of how much money you can make. And I say that maybe tongue in cheek, maybe you've put up with it. If the yeah. windfall is going to be fantastic. Traditionally though, the majority of the time, it, the unicorns are very rare, right? That's why yes. they're unicorns. Yes. So you've got to like the people that you're talking with and how it is that the entrepreneur can present themselves along with the numbers and what their mission or initiative is with their organization, exponentially important. Okay, that's great. And so part of that, you know, is actually being willing to share your why story, right? That's one of the things we talk about at Crazy Good Talks is why do you do what you do? Why does this matter to you? Why should it matter to the person you're pitching? And that goes beyond the numbers. Correct. And how it ties into the opportunity that's at hand, right? I mean, we've had, I've met some fantastic uh, entrepreneurs. I have one right now. We pivoted him to a different company. As a matter of fact, he's going to run another company uh, with us, primarily because <laughs> we hated the idea that he had, right. yeah. <laughs> but we loved him. Yeah. And so it's yeah. one of those situations where we were like, you know, hey, what would you think if you, what do you think about this like, type of an opportunity? this. Yeah. Yeah. Ditch and, this and he and was like, put you over here. he was like, you know what? I, I think we should talk about that. And yeah. I was like, Great. Let's talk about that. Yeah. And so that's kind of how things work. Again, yeah, the entrepreneur's story, 
within the story, the confines of what the opportunity is, um, yes. that's, that's where we're heading. But it is one of those things where the entrepreneur, exponentially more important than the numbers associated with the mission, right? Yeah. You've really got to be, you've got to be the person that people want to be with, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's just like a relationship moment. So. Absolutely. Got to like you. They go connected to you. They're going to trust you. And I know I'm going to take something from pop culture. You might cringe when people say this. I don't know, Sam, but I'm like a huge Shark Tank fan. And, um, you know, I love when they're like, I hate your idea, but I love you. So I want to work with you. Or, right. you know what? Your business looks great. Your numbers are great, but I don't like you. So, no, sorry. Bye bye. Right. I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah. I used to go to Pitch Fest in San Francisco in the Bay Area. I worked up there for a number of years after the tech startup that I helped lead to a private equity exit. If you do it right in the Bay Area, you can go to yeah. two Pitch Fests an evening. Uh, but Ooh, I, like I saw some time. feedback to the entrepreneurs that would make an entrepreneur elsewhere cry. I, yeah. I saw several people cry in San Francisco, which you've oh, really I- got to try hard to do. But it is one of those situations where, you know, uh, you don't need to necessarily get to that moment. There can be a really great way of transitioning and saying, you know what, we like we like you as an individual. Let's figure yes. out how it is we may be able to work together. Just not yeah. on that idea you're presenting. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So yeah, no, I love that. Okay, well, thank you so much, Sam. So tell us how our listeners can find you. Yeah, tipofthespearventures.com is our website. There's a chat bot in the lower right-hand corner. Uh, I'm the chat bot. You type something in, you get me. Uh, Last week, I had a gentleman who was entering in some information in there. I picked up the phone. I was at a break in between meetings. I called him up. He was like, who is this? And I was like, Sam (laughs) from Tip of the Spear. And he was like, the real Sam? And I was like, the real (laughs) Sam, what's happening? How are you? And he was like, I can't believe you're calling me. I was like, well, you just entered your phone number into the chat bot. And he was like, yeah, I guess I did. I had no idea no one would call me. And I was like, well, here we are. Anyway, I'm the Talk chat about bot. differentiation. I mean, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. If I'm, my promise is, is that if I'm not up in the air in a plane or if I'm not in a meeting, I try to answer those on the fly. Uh, but visit tipofthespearventures.com. Uh, you'll see me in the chat bot. We also, I know in the show notes are going to make available. Yeah. We've got a... Uh, 37-page, 132-question business transformation self-assessment workbook. This is a DIY. Uh, It's applicable for entrepreneurs, small business owners, all the way up to our Fortune 100 clients, how it is that they can transform their business. It'll analyze their business from our four different perspectives. So I'll check thank you so much for, yeah, thanks for making that available to us. And thank you for spending this time. I absolutely love this conversation. And I, I really just appreciate you, you uh, giving us your wisdom on this really important subject. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Emotion is a powerful tool for business. Learn how to use it. Thank you, Sam Palazzolo of the Tip of the Spear Ventures and author of The Influential Leader and Deirdre Van Nest, host of this podcast. Follow, share, and comment. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Good Talks podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered in this podcast represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Accelerated Performance, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. 